You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're having honest, straightforward conversations about marriage and life and sex and love and both sides of that equation, when it's good and when it's bad, and when you're young and when you're old, when it's working, when it's not, when you have kids, when you don't, we want to talk about it because we think here at Sexy Marriage Radio, we want to help frame the conversation and give good information that helps you uh, experience all that this whole aspect of marriage and sex can be. If you'd like to join us with your questions or thoughts or topics that you want covered, 214-702-9565 is how you can leave a voicemail. And the people that leave voicemails get first in line with their questions and topics. Or if you want to just send us an email, you can always send us something at feedback at sexymergeradio.com. And then if you like the show, I'm going to ask you to jump on iTunes, rate and review, jump on YouTube, uh, give a comment if you watch the show there, however you choose to listen. Um, I have to say thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. And with that, uh, I bring on the guest that is going to be leading us in the charge today, Dr. Lori Batito is joining us. And she has uh, a couple different TED Talks. You can find her at drlori.com. She also has the Sex Bible for People Over 50, the complete guide to sexual love for mature couples. So Dr. Lori, thank you very much for joining us in the Sexy Marriage Nation today. My pleasure, glad to be here. So I gotta start there with the Sex Bible for People Over 50. Um, yep. How did, how did you land with there? Well, it's an interesting story. So I was turning 50 and I wanted to write a book for a while. And I was, as I was turning 50 and all my friends were in their fifties and through my practice, hearing people talk about either the lack of sex or the best sex they ever had, I decided it was time to do some research and put together a book, uh, with, uh, a science-based health-based book on, uh, on sex after 50, because frankly, that's an age group that is uh, uh, forgotten, mm-hmm. <laughs> ignored. Uh, we don't talk much about specifically about aging and sexuality. It's a bit of a taboo subject still. Right. Uh, so that was my goal. My goal was really to teach people um, how to have the best sex of their lives after 50 and meaning often in long-term uh, relationships. Right. I found that too many people were giving up. Like I, I kept hearing things like, Oh, I'm 60. Ugh, it's over. It, you know, I'm too old anyway. What's the point? Why should I do this? What's the point? And I got, it was really annoying. I was thinking, <laughs> I don't want to be that person, exactly. you know, when I'm that age. <laughs> exactly. It's, no. it's going to hit us all. We're all, I mean, exactly. That, father lucky, time always wins. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, if we're lucky, and this is what my the approach is like. If you're fortunate to get older, as some people are not fortunate to age, Correct. how do we age? Um, how do we age with still passion? Like, how do we keep that that passion in our right. lives and the passion in the bedroom as uh, as we age? So the book kind of goes through um, male sexuality, female sexuality, the the natural or normal evolution of that plus all the potential problems 
that are likely to happen with age, age-related kind of things, and offers up solutions to all that. So explains the problems that might occur and then offers up some solutions. Okay. And so let's start, let's start with that of what are some of the main things you come across? Because I know with the Sexy Marriage Nation, there, uh, I have a vo- a vo- well, there's a, a vocal group out there. That's hey, what about us, <laughs> right? That, right. Because what about the, us? Yeah, <laughs> and it's that they're falling in line with what you've recognized in the in what spurred the book of hey, there's not a whole lot of targeted information for that season of life, that stage of relationship. Absolutely. So, what are some of the main things you hear impact them the most? And then let's talk about what are some of the things that will help with what that impacts. Sure. So uh, I'm not even sure where to start, but we could start with females and we can start with what happens generally after 50 in women are, is menopause. Mm-hmm. So what, are the, uh, what is the impact of menopause? So n- natural changes happen mm-hmm. with menopause if a woman isn't on hormones, etc. So that can have an impact on sexuality, like uh, dryness, vaginal dryness, for example, maybe a lowered uh, libido. Uh, those are body image changes, things like that. So these things um, have clear solutions for it. It's like women with vaginal dryness who experience pain don't have to suffer. Okay. There are options. There's estrogen-based therapies that are intravaginal. There is lubricant that people can use. Some very basic things that I have found some people actually lack the knowledge of like I I had a woman who was uh, 65 come to me and say to me she hadn't had uh, sexual relations with her husband in two years because it was simply too painful and when I asked her well do you use any external lubricants she had no idea what that was so raised in a generation where this was not an issue right people don't use lubricants it should be natural right so i suggested she try this and a few months later came back and said i can't believe it has changed my life (laughs) we are back to having sex again how have we not known this and look at what (laughs) i can't believe i didn't know this right and that's what's fascinating to me in the world we're in is that you've got the world at your fingertips, literally, but yet there's still these areas and pockets of topics that aren't addressed, that aren't spoken of, or if they are, it's it's littered with shame or guilt or exactly. misinformation or, you know, and it, so it's right. just recognizing how, how do I get that kind of information in people's hands, which is part of why you wrote your book, it's part of why Sexy Marriage Radio exists, right. it's part of why you do your work. Um, but so if you're talking about that for the female, what about for the male over 50? Well, the male over 50, what happens to men is that they, uh, they panic a little more than women do because come on now you're meddling there, Dr. Lori, hold (laughs) on. This is my experience. (laughs) I'm I'm just sharing. I'm just harassing you. Go fire away. Uh, Well, the reason why the, the panic might be there is simply because they notice changes that they're not ready for. Okay. So they will be, it will, well, we, all women kind of know, okay, menopause is coming. It's coming. Like we all know in our fifties that something's going to happen to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Whereas men don't have a, a, a they don't have like a, a point in time where uh, it goes from being, not being menopausal to being menopausal. Right. right? So there's right. no, there's no time frame. 
So for men, men age at a different rate, right. uh, sexually speaking. Right. But often I'll have men who come to me, whether they're 40, 50, 60, 80, uh, where they say, I don't understand. I'm not functioning like I used to. I'm not uh, as uh, hard as I used to be. Mm-hmm. It's taking me longer than I, than I used to. What's wrong with me? Right. Why can't I get that back? Right. So they're not aware that, hey, you're eight, you start aging at around 35, the male starts to age sexually. And depending on your health, depending on all kinds of other factors, will play into your erectile abilities. Right. So just having that information and to know that these are normal changes that happen, you will not have, it will take longer, it yep. will be more difficult, it will be more, you'll need more hands-on, you'll yep. need a, a bunch of things to get to the same place. So once they have that information, they realize, oh, okay, so I can adapt to this if I, if I know that this is normal kind right. of stuff. Right. And that's, right? so now you're getting to the deeper level for both the female and the male of realizing, okay, there's going to be normal physical things that are right. inescapable. Whereas men don't necessarily have the timeline that's hard and fast or is prominent. It, it can, right. it can vary. But there's still the deeper level of the identity hit with that. Because I just think of my own kind, that if I can't perform, that's a big identity it's hit. It's a big hit. Exactly. That, and that this is part things. of it. Okay. Right. So that leads often to people avoiding sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see couples also. And so when the couples come in, either there's a problem with desire, so a discrepant desire level. And that can be in the man or the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, uh, it's, it's an either one. I see them both. Uh, and that's a, a big one. And sometimes it's related to uh, performance anxiety in the men because they are afraid of not getting there, afraid of uh, disappointing their partner. And maybe the partner has reacted in a negative way too. Like there's a two-way sure. dance sure. here, right? Because the partner doesn't know. The partner may be lacking the same information the man may be lacking. And so is thinking, is it me? Are you no longer attracted to me? Uh, is it because I'm old now? Is it So there's all these questions when it, it is never about the partner. I've hardly ever seen it be about the partner, right. but more about what's happening. So once we start working with the couple on the anxiety, taking the pressure off, there's a chapter in my book about uh, sex without intercourse, like a a redefining Mm -hmm. sexuality, like getting down to back to some of the basics that you used to do when you first met, where you didn't just go right into bed. right? Right. So more kissing, more touching, more being in tune with your body, more mindfulness in terms of being really being in your body rather than being in your head. So these are the kinds of things that uh, we address, especially when it comes to men and dealing with their performance anxiety. Okay. Desire issues are different, uh, a little bit different. That's where I was heading next because that's a, that is the one thing that, you know, I I find our field in the world of sexuality, uh, particularly in committed relationships, i.e. marriage is the way we Mm -hmm. target with sex imagination. Um, that that's the holy grail in a sense of how do you solve the struggles with desires? Because there's the always fir- differences, right? That there's a higher and a lower. I even had um, a member at last year's Sexy Marriage Radio getaway that we do came up to me. She coined the phrase with me, I'm not a lower desire, I'm a slower desire. That it just takes her a while to get going. And I'm like, that is a perfect de- description 
of right. it. So how- and that and and that would be. I would say the majority of women in long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. So I always, uh, the way I describe it, and this is a generalization because there are some men who have low desire, but let's just say if we take like 75% of women in long-term relationships are dimmer switches. You know, there's the the on-off, <laughs> yep. which is the male, and the dimmer switch, which is the slower desire switch, yep. uh, which takes a while. So if you don't understand, if a couple doesn't understand that there are two mechanisms going on here that are very different, then you get the problem of, well, I don't, I don't get it. I, I want it. And right. you don't want, like, right. I can want it, you know, uh, but women aren't like that. So what do women need? It's not. And when you ask women who say they have lower desire, who are not, who are slowers rather than on off, they will say that, when they engage in sex with their partners, they love it. Like they are enjoying it. They are responding well to it. So they don't really have a problem with sex per se, but the way we define desire and the way we look at it, especially from a male perspective, Mm -hmm. that feeling of that spontaneous desire, that the horny feeling Mm -hmm. kind of thing. uh, If we look at it that way, then women have a problem. But if we change the, the optic and look at how women are are actually that they need certain things in order to get there. Their problem is the from from a from point A to point B. Once they're in B, they're okay. Right. So right. it's the getting there phase that needs to be kind of worked at. So women who are there uh, let's say women who make the choice to engage in sex. So I'm going to call it a choice rather than simply having a desire to, right? right. And pe- people make choices for various reasons. I want to feel close to my partner. I want to connect. I want to show my love, whatever it is. Right. Um, once they make that, con- they make that decision in the next few minutes that they let their bodies go and their partner starts to stimulate them. Guess what happens? The desire kicks in. Right. It's like, I I want to keep going. So desire follows choice sometimes is what you're describing there. That's right. Desire follows uh, arousal rather than in men, arousal arousal is uh, desire and then arousal. Right. Okay. Okay. So So, keep going if you got some more. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just understanding that is really important. So once we understand that and we understand what, she needs in order to actually say yes, meaning she, she needs a clear head. She needs to be relaxed. She needs to know that uh, maybe all her laundry's done, what, whatever it is that preoccupies her brain. Right. Uh, once that's taken care of, then it could be a good moment to say yes, but it's still her responsibility to let her partner know what she needs in order to feel relaxed enough and be in her body enough to say, yes, let's, let's do it. It may not be when she crawls into bed at 1130 at night. Right. Right. That's the concept of foreplay is not just what happens right before sex. Right. It's It's the interwoven throughout. (laughs) Right. That I've heard, you know, there's the popular phrase that foreplay starts in the kitchen. Esther Perel even made the, who's first person I heard make the comment of foreplay happens after orgasm because you're setting up the next one that it's, it's that whole interchange to see. And that's the thing I love about marriage is it's a long game is the way I frame it, that this is a long game process we've got going on. It's not just a one-time conquest. And how do you start to see this dynamic 
so that you're each playing your own roles better, I guess you could say. So is there, is there some specifics you've come across in the research and the work you do that target men when it comes to desire? Well, it works the same. If you look at men who have low desire, uh, sometimes, look, people have a baseline of desire. So mm-hmm. you may have some people who have always had a lowish kind of desire and people who've always had a medium and high desire. So it really, to me, I have to determine what is this your, sta- is this your norm, your baseline, right. first of all? Right. Um, and then look at what is it that motivates you? What is it that, um, that, also uh, makes you want to engage. Right. So you may not have a lot of spontaneous desire, but you may still be motivated. Right. So you may still enjoy sex. You may still, so it's, it's looking at the same kinds of things really as to what motivates you. So a man with performance anxiety will have difficulty with the libido possibly as well. So you have to address what's the anxiety. Sure, sure, because that's that's getting into the deeper level of what what speaks in a man's heart is can I come through? Can I? <laughs> that's the whole. As a child, I think the men you know, we've been in that mindset mantra for a long, long time, that's and right. I do see the ease of if this is a struggle, then the choice of I'm just not even going to go there can see me all the more appealing rather than it's right. not in line though with what I really want. It's just I got to have the courage to confront that and see the playing field is different. The dynamics are different, but the goals can still be the same of connecting and enjoying and the pleasure. It just, how we get there is a little different. Right. Well, if we keep sex as a performance oriented kind of thing and goal oriented in a relationship, we lose sight of that. And that's the long game. The long game is about, what do we use sex for in a relationship? It's for connection, for intimacy, for showing love, for all of these things. You don't need intercourse for that. Right. So, and people don't, you know, they just see if, when you say the word sex, what do they think of? They think of intercourse. Yep. And that was the, one of the main messages in my book was, no, that's not what sex is. Let's look at sexuality. Right. And what does sexuality involve? It could be two people lying next to each other, holding hands naked. That's part of sex, too. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's anything you wouldn't do with your sibling is part of sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's, that's a pretty good descriptor. Okay. That, that's good. So are there some other things that you see that are pretty prominent in the, the target audience you have with this work? that they struggle with or that are issues that they need that can be addressed with just a different mindset, different shift of focus or information? Uh, Yes. A lot of worries about body image. So body changes, for example, women worry. Uh, And it's so interesting because women worry far more than their partners ever give them even a cause to worry because it's not in their minds. They're not, they're not hearing from partners. Oh, gee, your breasts are too low. Like they right. don't, the men, yeah. they don't care. Their right. partners don't care. Right. So, but they care. It seems like because they're feeding into uh, this, the social media and the society we live in of what is beautiful. Right. And we still hang on to youth is beautiful. So you have women doing all kinds of stuff to themselves, including things to their genitals, mm-hmm. sadly. Uh, and this to me is, is, uh, is concerning because 
we really should be celebrating our bodies, what our bodies can still do, what we have, and be less concerned that our partners, they don't care. It, it's not like they're not, they don't care as much as you care. I right. Think you can be sure of that. Right. Yeah, because that's, that's the interesting thing is if you look at the context of a committed relationship, we've got all this information, but yet sometimes we don't believe our partner. Exactly. <laughs> right? We tend not to believe our partner. Why? <laughs> this is the person we've been with all these years. Why shouldn't we? Right. Give them and, a little and, credit. That's right. And attra- it, that's because people don't understand also maybe attraction. Like attraction over time deepens to a different level. Like you find many things about your partner that's attractive that isn't related to their external appearance. When you look at two people, I look at my own parents, for example, they're in their 80s and wildly attracted to each other still and still very much uh, loving and showing and and passionate and all of this stuff they've gotten old like and wrinkled and, and, and all these other things, but yet what connects them and what they love about each other is it, it, that's the attraction, right? That's what makes somebody attractive to right. us. Yeah. And so, I, I think of that in terms of, there's a phrase I came across years ago from a movie that talked about how getting old is earned, that it's, mm. it's something that we do earn this. And if you think about it in the context of a relationship, I see it as, you know what, the experience I've had with my wife or the experience that you've had with a, a, a mate for any length of time, all of the shifts and changes of their body, I was a part of that. You know, I've, I, helped, right. I helped earn that. And if you had kids, then that's, you know, some of that's inalterable you, you changes. You uh, Well, <laughs> I was definitely a part of that, yes. <laughs> but, but it's seeing it as, okay, wait, no, that's you. We've earned this together. And if that's nothing right. else, how do you start to see the deeper parts of, no, it's beyond that like you talk about. Because what maybe initially attracted us was a physique or a stature or something that was prominent of their physical right. character. But then as you get deeper into it, you realize, wait, that's not you. There's so much more underneath that and behind that, that that's the bond you're describing. Right. That bond and the values that you share in common are so, so important, far more than the physical stuff. It's not that we don't want our partner to look good and that we shouldn't look good for our partner. Right. Because ultimately we want our partners to be healthy. Right. We want them to have, if if we value a healthy lifestyle we would be attracted to somebody and continue to be attracted to someone who has a healthy lifestyle. If your partner does not, and this is what you value, the values clash. So it's not that you're not attracted right. to your partner, but there's a clash of that value right. that has to be addressed. Okay. And so then you're talking about having a, a little bit more of a deeper uh, meaning conversation that it's, exactly. that it's not the, external things, which is what we can easily start to do where we get caught up in those things rather than what's the meaning of this, that this is the value that we're talking about. This is the, that's right. How I'm living my life versus how I see you're living yours. And it doesn't seem like we're in the same arena like we used to be. Right. And it may be hurtful to the partner who wants to be healthy, whose partner may not be and feels like you're killing yourself. Oh my, I'm going to lose you. I don't want to lose you. I want you to be around. Right. Uh, but, but it's because we have difficulty with these conversations, the other person takes it very much as a criticism. Right. So you don't like me because I've gained so much weight or you don't like me because whatever it is. Right. 
And it may not really may not be about that. We have to look at it that, that from a deeper level. It's just that we often get into these power struggles or right. where somebody gets very defensive. So maybe find a way to say it in a way that is more compassionate. Okay. But I also, what I, I'm not hearing it clearly, but I think I know where you're going with this, with your belief structure that I can say these things they are deeper and harder to say to my, to my spouse, but I also have to say these things to myself and, and confront Absolutely. my own self-image and my own perception because gravity is going to hit us all. It already has in some regards, yes. us, but it's, it's, it's inevitable that that's going to happen, that skin you know, sags and shifts and wrinkles and there's, there's no way around that. doesn't matter how many surgeries unless you want to look right. like a plastic a something. Right. right. But it's, so seeing it as I've got to confront that in myself as well, in, in my own self-perception. And those are things that that have nothing to do with health. The the sagging and that's not a right. that, that's not a clash in values in, in no. any way. That's just a natural progression. And how fortunate we are to have earned these wrinkles. Like how fortunate we are that we are still here. Yep. And we need to celebrate our aging process. I find people get so hung up on, oh, I'm turning, oh my God, I'm turning 50. I'm so like, and they get really down and don't want to celebrate. You should be jumping and screaming from the rafters. <laughs> right. Yeah, look at what we've accomplished. Look at look at how Yay! far I've come. I like that. So Dr. Lori, tell, tell uh, the Sexy Mirrors Nation how they can find you if they want more information, please. Sure. Uh, you can go to my website, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. You'll find information about my book, which is available on Amazon. And uh, you'll, be, you'll have access to my uh, TEDx talks that are on there about uh, the passion in long-term relationships, especially. Yeah, because that is the one thing that we're all trying to find, isn't it? That if you're in a long-term relationship, yes. how do I keep a fire going? And, it, and it's almost like what you're describing today is I keep it going by keeping it going in myself of, of just Absolutely. recognizing passion in myself. That's a great way to say. Dr. Laura, thank you very much. And this has been sexy marriage radio where we are grateful. You take some time out of your day to spend it with us and however you choose to listen to us. Um, so wherever you are, whatever you've been listening, however you've been listening. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>